0: Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Business Advantage. I am Alicia Pennington, your host and owner of Advantage Athletic Training. Today, we're going to be discussing the implementation of your business plan, which is the final episode in our four part series on business ideas and planning. I'm actually really excited (laughs) to see this series come to an end because it's been pretty difficult for me to put together and discuss. Mostly because as you all now know, I personally struggle a lot with the business plan, uh, you know, the formal document of it. So, um, you know, regardless, it's important for me to share the information about how to formally go through the process, just like, for example, with a knee evaluation, even though personally, I suck at doing a Lachman's because my hands are too small. And, you know, the traditional way of doing it, I just can't really get a good grasp. It's still important for me to learn the Lachman test, know how to perform it, what its positive indications are, and its purpose in the knee evaluation. Now, if I then choose to perform a knee, a knee evaluation without a Lockman's or a modified Lockman's, then that's up to me. But just like if I was an ATEP program, I would be remiss if I didn't give you all of the information I could regarding the business plan topic. Like many of the other steps along the way, the implementation aspect is both fun and challenging. This is essentially when you get to see how the rubber meets the road, and we finally get to test drive this idea. You will be incredibly thankful at this point that you have done all the planning that we've discussed in the previous podcasts. You know, one of my favorite quotes, when you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail, applies all too well in this situation all of the preparation that you have done leading up to this will pave the way for the implementation of your business idea. It's kind of like you've been given the directions for how to build a business, and now you just have to put it together. So hopefully your business plan is a little bit less like Ikea directions and a little bit more like a YouTube DIY tutorial. So we're going to break this down in three primary subsections. The first one, things that need to be done before you open business. The second one, when you open your doors for business. And then lastly, how to stay afloat and keep this ship going in the right direction. So starting off with before you open the doors for business, here's some things that you should have lined up and ready to go. The first one, your workspace. This should have already been defined in and identified in your business plan. Now you need to go and secure that workspace if you haven't already. Whether this is a home office, uh, some kind of shared space or a commercial warehouse, you need to go sign that lease, get that space organized and ready to conduct work in. If it's a home office, do your best to make this an actual dedicated space. You know, the kitchen table will suffice for a little while, but an area that is dedicated to this business idea and this business plan will keep you inspired each and every day. So try to carve out a little nook or find a room that you can really feel like you're actually going to work each day or whenever you're working on this, you can be focused and not distracted by a TV or people coming in and out or kids running around. This really should be a space that you are inspired by and you actually want to work in. If it is a commercial space, then do your best to personalize it. You're going to be taking a huge leap by pursuing this business idea. So bring in some of those creature comforts that give you some happiness when the going gets tough. This can be Uh, favorite quotes on the wall, pictures of family and friends, um, just pops of color that make you really happy. Maybe it's a really comfortable chair that you like sitting in. Whatever it is, bring some of those outside elements inside so that you continue to stay inspired. And when things really kind of start getting tough for you, you can look at them or lean on those things in order to stay inspired. And if you had to borrow money for manufacturing equipment or other expenses, be sure that those rates are locked in and that you have signed contracts that allow you to get business started quickly. We'll touch a little bit more on that when we talk about opening the business doors and credit policies and stuff like that, but just make sure that you have those lined up. Now, whoever that you've identified as your required personnel in the business plan, you've got to go and recruit them now. Hopefully, you were able to have some informal conversations with prospects or potential people during your planning phase, and now you can actually go back to them with employment opportunities and offers. So if you plan to bring on a number of different types of personnel or people at the beginning, I would very highly recommend bringing on an HR representative first. They are going to be able to assist you in all of the rest of the onboarding for your other employees. And this is gonna be a smart way for you to work efficiently in the beginning stages. It's not only an efficient way of going about things, but a personnel, excuse me, an HR representative is really going to know the ins and outs of requirements for the state for hiring processes, different documents like I-9s and W-9s and things like that to get them onboarded uh, legally. So just make sure that if that's something that you're looking to do, either outsource that uh, task to um, a staffing agency or a, an HR onboarding ki- type of company like Zenefits, for example, um, or bring somebody on in-house that's going to be able to take that task off your plate. You're going to have a lot of stuff to focus on in the beginning parts of getting your business off the ground. So the more that you can set yourself up for success and offhand those tasks to people who specialize in it, the better off that you're going to be. And the other thing that I want to remind you as you're getting started is don't forget to pay yourself. For the first two years of my company, I actually carried a full-time job that I was able to live off of. So I took very little money from Advantage. However, I always made sure to pay myself the same time that everyone else was being paid. Whenever process, whenever payroll was being processed, I made sure that a little something was in there. So even if it's only... start to get into the habit of doing this, especially for accounting reasons. You don't have to bankrupt your new business, but you need to start healthy habits from the very beginning. When you go to file your taxes, there's going to be line items that are attributed towards the pay that you've received. And it is a very good Habit to get into that your tax professional starts to see that you're getting that you're paying yourself and that you are able to develop those behaviors so that when you're ready, when the company is ready to support you a little bit more, all you have to do is kind of bump up that dollar amount a little bit. You don't have to start a whole new account and a whole new line item in your accounting software and all that kind of stuff. So very, very important to get those things started early, build those habits for yourself at the very beginning stages. Another thing to consider at before you're opening your doors for business are insurance, contracts, articles of organization, make sure that you are properly insured and that you have the appropriate articles of organization filed. Now, there are different types of business entities that you can set yourself up as. And this is what I'm referring to when I say articles of organization. I could probably spend an entire podcast on just business entities and how to develop them or how to decipher which one that you are. But I'm going to quickly cover it here to give you an idea. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what the main ones are, and then a resource that you can go to to get way more information than I'm going to be able to give you. So, there are different types of businesses that you can uh, develop yourself as. The primary ones are DBA, which is doing business as, LLC slash LLP, S Corp, C Corp, and nonprofit. So here are the main differences between those. A DBA, which is doing business as, offers very little, actually it offers no protection for you. Essentially, this is Alicia Pennington doing business as Advantage. This kind of business setup is common for very, very small local businesses. I have personally two different friends. One of them is a florist. Another one makes beaded jewelry. They are both set up as DBAs. If you are going to be developing a business idea that carries very little liability, for example, making jewelry, there's very, very little liability that is associated with making and selling jewelry. It's rare that it could harm somebody or that you would ever get sued as a result of making jewelry. Same goes for being a florist. If you're just, you know, putting arrangements together in your home and you're dropping them off at local venues or whatever that is, there's very, very little risk associated with with being in that line of business. So in those situations, it's perfectly fine to be a DBA, for Alicia Pennington to be doing business as Floral's ABC. The DBA is the simplest and easiest way to set yourself up as a business, but you only want to do this if you are gonna be carrying extremely low, if no liability with your business. So the next step up is LLC. An LLC stands for Limited Liability Corporation. Or if there's going to be more than one owner, then you can file as an LLP, which is a Limited Liability Partnership. This is actually what Advantage is set up as. I am the sole owner. So we are an LLC. And this Offers a separation between the person and the entity, which offers protection to the person if something happens to the company. So what that means is the LLC is a totally separate entity. So if anything ever happened, if someone ever sued Advantage for wrongdoing or whatever it may be. They can't then come after my personal possessions like my car or my home. In the example of a DBA, they could. And so most of America's small businesses are set up as LLCs because they are rather easy to establish. They have taxes and guidelines that are fairly reasonable to follow. And they still allow taxation that is beneficial to the owner. So I would recommend most people starting at the LLC level. Um, This is kind of, you know, if you're thinking about Goldilocks, you know, this is not too big, which is what we're going to be talking about in a second here, and not too small like the DBA is, but it's just nice and perfect right in the middle. The next step up from LLC is an S-corp, which stands for Subchapter Corporation. This is sort of a hybrid between an LLC and a C-corp, which is the next one that we're going to be talking about. It provides the protection and taxation of an LLC, but the structure for shareholders of a C-corporation. So this is kind of a middle ground, you're getting much larger than maybe what the LLC can support, but you're not quite to the C Corp status. So this is, um, like I said, kind of a hybrid between the two of those. And then the, um, you know, most official kind of highest level uh, business entity that there is, is the C Corp. And this is going to be your publicly trading Fortune 500 types of companies. This type of entity has shareholders, a board of directors, different taxation rules. Uh, This is kind of mega big business type of corporation. So um, perhaps this is something that you would eventually aspire to, though a lot of companies um, that you wouldn't even think of are actually LLCs or S corps. So there is no dollar amount that's a cutoff that says, okay, you should go to an S-corp or a C-corp now and and you can't be an LLC anymore. What I would recommend is once you get yourself established, stay in constant communication with your attorney or your tax advisor to have them assist you in understanding what are the different benefits, kind of pros and cons of being the different type of, of business entity. And then, of course, um, there's the nonprofit. And this is like a whole separate set of rules and set of taxation and uh, kind of a totally different type of, of business setup. So um, it doesn't necessarily apply. It's not like you can have an LLC nonprofit or an S Corp nonprofit. Nonprofits are uh, ruled and regulated and taxed in a completely different way. So if you're considering a nonprofit, um, I definitely would advise you to do lots of research in that realm to make sure that the type of business you're going to be doing actually falls appropriately in there. So um, I I have found that LegalZoom is an excellent resource for helping to kind of decipher between all of these types of entities as well. You can use them for assistance in filing and submitting the necessary paperwork and the articles of organization. And, you know, for a a pretty nominal fee, they'll pretty much do all of the work on your behalf. Um, You know, my only caveat to using and recommending LegalZoom is that if you decide to be a DBA, this is an extremely simple setup uh, for me in Orange County to establish myself as a DBA. I just went down to the county office. I had to pay $20 to register the name that I was going to be doing business under. And then you have to pay another $20 to to a local newspaper to publish the company name for four weeks. So because that's so simple and inexpensive, I would encourage you to do that on your own. Otherwise, LegalZoom, I'd say almost 100%. They're going to be cheaper then finding and using your own attorney. Um, They're gonna be more efficient. This is pretty much what they do 100% of the time. They've got all of the necessary paperwork that you need. It's online, it's simple, you can pay by credit card. Um, It really is, in my opinion, the best option available. And the other thing is, um, you know, they have access to attorneys on there. So you can pay a, again, a pretty nominal fee, I think less than $200. And you can get on the phone with an attorney, they can look over contracts or other paperwork. And, um, you know, you can really get a good professional opinion about what you're doing for an, an incredibly nominal price. So that's my plug for LegalZoom. Can't recommend them enough. Okay, moving forward now to opening your doors for business, starting with your marketing plan. Now is the time to put all that research that you did to work. Remember those people you sourced on social media to see if they would be interested in your product? You need to get back in touch with them or any of those friends and colleagues that you reached out to for kind of testing your idea out, you need to get back in front of them. All of those people who were encouraging you and said that they would be interested once you were ready, those are the people who are going to be your first customers. You know, I'm, I'm sure that we've all had friends who get started in one of those pyramid scheme type uh, devices. You know, they're selling knives or Tupperware or, you know, something along those lines. And who are the people that they always get in contact first It's their family and closest friends. So now it's your turn to do the calling. Rely on your closest colleagues to support you in the beginning of your business. They can help you get the word out and spread information about your new business. Rely on the professional networks that you have established. If you are already a working professional in the area, rely on your own personal reputation to get people to buy into your business idea. When something is brand new, it's not going to stand on its own yet. You're going to have to take this business, put it on your shoulders, and carry it around for a while. It is going to hinge on your own personal reputation and network and and references that you have built. So it's very important that you have that established and that you're willing to tap into it at the beginning of this. You will also need to start instituting your product, place, price, and promotional strategy. Again, the more thorough of research and answers that you have walking into this, the easier that it will be to implement. Ideally, you will have figured out what a great price is and the perfect place to market your product at and an ideal promotional strategy, but this is something that will likely change with experience. So start where you think is best and then be flexible based on the types of results you get. Maybe you have to change the price a little bit. Perhaps the placement that you thought would be great for your product isn't actually getting a lot of eyes and so you need to move it. Or the promotional strategy that you thought would be the perfect fit, just isn't working out as well. So start where you think is the most ideal and then be flexible and work with it after that. Moving on to your operations plan. Hopefully this plan was as well thought out um, as possible and that now that you are opening the doors to your business, it can kind of run itself Of course, you know, this is an ideal world and will probably be the case for the first little bit of time. You know, pretty much every plan works at first until it doesn't. So again, you're going to have to be flexible here because this is an aspect of your business where if it isn't running smoothly, people are going to feel the tension right away and it's going to be an everyday kind of thing. It's better to sway a little bit on how you run the options than to have disgruntled or unhappy personnel. We all know that the best laid plans are the ones that invariably get ruined. So don't worry about being so strict on yourself with this. Definitely be flexible and again, ideally the operations plan that you came up with is going to run smoothly, but understand that as you start plugging in different people and in different aspects start running that uh, there's gonna have to be variations made in this. The other thing that will be vitally important once you open your doors is the credit policy. Cash flow can make or break a business. Allowing too many customers to purchase on credit without being given enough from your vendors will suffocate your business. Believe me. Take it from someone who pays their athletic trainers when they work and has to wait 30 to 90 days to receive payment from the client. That cash flow is a big, big deal. Make sure that if you are going to be letting the people who buy the product from you, if you're gonna let them purchase, On POs or on credit, and then you collect payment from them after the fact that you are setting yourself up for success by getting vendor contracts that allow you to do the same thing. If you are having to dish out a whole bunch of money on the front end to purchase the product or to get manufacturing started, but then you're allowing people to purchase on credit, you're going to have a negative cash flow. And this is going to be very difficult for you. And it's going to create a lot of frustration and tension within your company. Anyone who has worked a contract gig knows how difficult it can be to collect payment on it. And so This was a frustration that we were looking to eliminate. However, what happened was that it became a frustration of ours instead of a frustration for the athletic trainers. We continue to struggle with cash flow issues four years into the company. So this isn't something that you just kind of got to get it started and then it disappears and goes away, especially at... The beginning of the school year for us when all of our ATs are headed back to work and we can't collect on services rendered until the month has completed. So, if an athletic trainer starts working August 1st, we can't invoice until September 1st, and then it takes anywhere from 15 to 30 days to receive payment after invoicing. Well, because we pay every other week, the athletic trainer has received two to three payments by the time that we are able to collect on services that have been rendered. So those are the kinds of things that when you're setting up your budget and when you're projecting out, even though it looks like you may have a bunch of money right now, when you start looking forward and seeing how much money you're going to need in the bank to get the school year started in our situation, you actually don't have as much money as you think you do until those payments start coming in. So cash flow, your billing policy, and your accounts receivable are really, really important aspects to not only getting the doors open, but then staying afloat in your business. Which brings us to how do we keep this ship kind of going in the right direction? How do we stay afloat when we're doing this? Well, the first thing that I can say is efficiency. Efficiency is a cornerstone of advantage. I am incredibly fortunate to have my husband, Maurice, who works to make things automated, And electronic, thereby increasing our efficiency. As a small business, each person wears a number of different hats, and you're not necessarily able to afford to pay for more people for help. So as a result, if you can find softwares and systems that can do a lot of the work for you, It's going to be tremendously helpful cutting down on the number of tasks that you have to do, but it also will end up saving you money because if you don't have to pay someone to do it, a software is most likely going to be cheaper for that. So here's an example of some of the softwares that we use. Number one, QuickBooks. This helps us keep track of our accounting, all that stuff that I just talked about with accounts payable. We are able to store all of our clients' and our athletic trainers' information in there so we can quickly generate invoices. We can see what is outstanding, what has been paid, what hasn't been paid. And there's a lot of automation in QuickBooks where the software actually starts to learn your habits and it will make suggestions for inputs for you. So, you know, let's say we pay, Uh, Suzy Q $20 every single week. Well, when it starts to see that $20 come in repetitively, it's going to suggest that that $20 payment belongs to Suzy Q. So we're actually able to go into that software and just, you know, click, 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 click and plug away and things run a lot more efficiently. It also will generate reports for us in almost any way that you could possibly ever want a report. So if you're looking at cash flow, if you're looking at profit and loss, if you're looking at balance sheets, it can generate all of that information for you, which is really, really valuable when you're starting to go to um, uh, your tax professional or things along those lines. Another software that we use is called Podio. And this is what we use for internal team communication. Mm -hmm. This software is technically what's called a CRM, which is customer relationship management. And basically what this software does is it manages all the communications that we have with each other and with clients and with athletic trainers. It's it's a central station for all of us to keep track of what is going on in the company. So each person can remotely log in and see, okay, where are we at? What are we working on? What projects do we have coming up? Things along those lines. So again, a a way... That we can communicate with each other um, without having to send emails or call or text message. We just upload the work that we're doing right in there, and anyone else can can access it and see kind of what's going on. Another uh, software that we we rely very very heavily on is called When I Work, and this is a scheduling software that allows us to put up open shifts that notify the athletic trainers of opportunities to work. This enables us to communicate swiftly with all of the athletic trainers who have open availability. Again, as opposed to emailing or calling or texting individual people for shift coverage. This is, um, you know, one of the most valuable softwares that we use. Basically, we wouldn't be a business if we couldn't get shifts covered. So, For the athletic trainers to be able to get alerts right on their phone or on their email, Um, these go directly to the inbox. This is a way for us to classify and identify athletic trainers by their availability or their geographic region. And so this is a software that we rely on heavily to make our business run efficiently. We also utilize e-signatures on our electronic documents, um, both the BOC and the NPIs, online verifications. We we do electronic background check processing and several other services that really do a lot of the heavy lifting for us. So, you know, we are... Um, very forward thinking when it comes to technology. And we are really willing to let it uh, do the, like I said, the heavy lifting to use it to its full potential and take advantage of the capabilities that it offers us. Your willingness to continue learning is also going to be vital for the survival of your company. Staying humble, and willing to adjust to the environment will make a huge difference in not only the people that are willing to work with you, but also work for you. So You know, almost everything that I've mentioned in this podcast, from your operations and marketing plan to your business entity type and technology will all be changing over time. So if you become Hard headed and unchanging, your business is going to suffer as a result of that. Just like in athletic training, if we continue to learn new techniques and proficiencies, we will stay at the forefront of our profession. But if we become you know, a know-it-all that's practicing anecdotal medicine, then we hinder ourselves and the profession from progressing forward. The same thing applies to your business. Lastly, in regards to, uh, you know, kind of keeping the the business afloat, go back to that business plan and make changes as needed. By no means does the document need to be revised every time you make a decision about something. But when your company has seen a good amount of growth, it probably is a good idea to revisit that document to make some updates. Like I said in the previous podcast, we've updated ours about every year and a half and yours will differ based on how well thought out and forward thinking you were at the beginning stages and how accurate um, your business plan is and and how well it, it will grow with you. There is an idea that was introduced by Jim Collins, who is one of my favorite business authors. In Good to Great, he discussed the flywheel theory, which is essentially that once you start doing business and you have a good thing going in one direction, don't get distracted by other potential opportunities that may slow down that flywheel. Efforts should be geared towards continuing to let the flywheel move in that same direction without slowing it down, stopping it, or having it change directions. So the idea here is that build the momentum and keep that momentum going in the same direction. Don't get distracted by the flashy objects on the side or the the brand new opportunity that, you know, may seem like the get-rich-quick scheme, if you get your business going and things are moving well, keep going in that direction. And also, as a side note, if you are looking for an author to read to help you become a better leader or build confidence in how you're running a business, I would very highly recommend any of Jim Collins's books. My favorite one is Great by Choice, but Good to Great and How the Mighty Fall are also very good options. We've been able to take an idea from the exploratory phase all the way through to implementation. I've already had a few listeners reach out, letting me know that this series has been very helpful for them with each one being in a different phase of planning. As with all of our podcasts, I'm hopeful that this becomes a resource for those of you who may have an idea that they'd like to develop. Sometimes we stumble upon an idea or it is birthed out of selfishness. I can't encourage you enough to, at the very least, explore the possibility of an idea that you may have. Please don't allow the potential hurdles to scare you away. Being a business owner is one of the most rewarding decisions I have made, especially when you see the impact it can make in your community and provide the much-needed change that your peers have been looking for. Thank you for listening. If you've learned something on today's podcast, please share it with a colleague. On our next podcast, we will be having another case study, which seems to be very popular amongst our listeners. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat at The Advantage. If you have questions regarding what we've spoken about here, use the hashtag q and A-T. Or show us how you're practicing the implementation of your business plan with hashtag that's business. Thank you to Mr. Logistics for the music you've heard throughout.